Hi, my name is Jordan Mayer. Welcome back to Your Smile Makes Flowers Bloom, a podcast where I learn from other parents and educators, so together we can help children thrive. I'm very excited for you to listen to our guest today. Her name is Kelsey Keller, and she is a classmate of mine at Simon Fraser University. Kelsey is a grade three, four, and five Montessori educator and a learning support teacher in Coquitlam, British Columbia. She refers to her classroom as a laboratory classroom and often invites other teachers to learn from the organized chaos that takes place there. I'm confident that you will appreciate Kelsey's sense of humor and wisdom that she shares during our time together. With that being said, let's begin with today's episode. I hope you enjoy. So again, just wanted to say thank you for being willing to do this. This has been a, a fun adventure uh, so far, just kind of trying something really new. And I've already learned a lot from previous guests, and I know I'll learn lots from you. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. It's my very first uh, appearance on a podcast, so awesome. we can fumble through it together. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. So, um, Kelsey, for people who don't know about you... Um, do you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and just your role within the field of education? Sure. Um, so I am an educator. I'm currently I'm working in a grade three, four, five Montessori classroom in SD43, which is Coquitlam. Um, I'm also a learning support teacher for our district. So I get the amazing opportunity to um, visit other teachers in their classrooms support the development of their professional practice and engage in joint inquiry and um, invite them into my classroom to see what kind of things we're doing. So I get to work with kids, um, but also teachers. So that's mm. it's kind of lovely to see both sides of the coin and, um, you know, to be able to engage learners of all ages. Yeah. I, um... Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I didn't actually know that you uh, you did that second part of your job. That's, that's ah. Yeah, it's um, it's really fun. It's um, something that I didn't anticipate doing. Um, the position kind of fell into my lap in that my predecessor um, decided that he was no longer able to do the position because he was going back to school full time. Okay. And um, I didn't really know much about it, but um, it's a job that I... I adore now, and I don't know if I could give it up for anything, so. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And how about just about your your family and and things outside of the school? Oh, uh, outside of school, I'm um, a wife to a wonderful man who uh, is a first responder and a mom to uh, three beautiful children who um, are a little bit stir-crazy today, but... (laughs) Um, they keep life interesting, and so when I'm not at work um, playing with and, and enjoying children, I'm at home playing with and enjoying children. Um, what else can I tell you about me? I am a chronic bibliophile. Hmm. I collect books and read books um, at a speed that my husband finds alarming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also a coffee enthusiast. I love to have a good cup of coffee. Hmm. Um and uh, I'm a developing cyclist. I am uh, recently bought a new bike, so I am also learning how to um, 
to be active and graceful while pedaling through the forest. I think one of the best accessories I've ever gotten for my bike was a cell phone holder so I could play my music and also have the map on so I didn't get lost. Yes, I just recently got one. Okay, good. Um, and I've only used it actually for our field trip for our master's cohort class. So I'm hoping to use it hopefully maybe today or tomorrow to actually use the map feature and know where I'm going rather than it just being a blind adventure. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that, Kelsey. Um, so I didn't actually know this until I talked to Jillian Judson, but it sounds like you've done a lot of work related to the core competencies. And can you just share maybe how that interest started for you? Um, I think for me, um, it all started when I first heard about the core competencies as being a potential part of the curriculum. Yeah. Um, and it's something, um, I think we've called them by many different names over the years, virtues or um, characteristics or things like that. But um, it was something that I believe really strongly in in my practice. So um, when it was in draft form, I decided I was going to um, kind of explore it and, and find ways to make it accessible for my learners, um, both my child learners, but also my adult learners. And um, my students were an integral part of that. They um, they really kind of got messy with me and we worked through it um, with like great degrees of success, but also, you know, large moments of failure and things that didn't work also. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where my journey started that I found the competency something that, um, you know, we're just really such a, an important part of education and an important part of life. Um, and so developing them alongside my students became a bit of a passion project for me. Hmm. Um, and then things kind of took off. Awesome. So for people who don't know what the core competencies are, how would you define them? Because I've heard people define them in, in many different ways. Oh, um, I would define the core competencies as life skills. Hmm. Um, if I'm going to talk about them in a very professional way, I would say that they're a set of intellectual, emotional, and social competencies. Um, but I think that the phrase that I like most about um, the core competencies, if we think of them as being life skills, is that they're womb to tomb skills. So they're things we're developing for the entirety of our lives. There's always room to grow. There's always um, room to refine, um, reflect, and revisit. So I think that's how I would define them right now. Yeah, I've, I've never heard that womb to tomb, but I really like that. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's really important for parents and, and educators to remember, too, that these are not just skills for, for little ones or for students in high school, but uh, for all of us that we can, can learn from and hopefully grow from, you know, over time. Absolutely. And I think when we remember that they don't just live within the walls of the classroom, that they live on the playground and they live at the soccer practice and, you know, at the kitchen table for dinner. Um, when we help the wider community kind of think about them in that way, then we're all collectively working towards developing them and, and noticing them and naming them and nurturing them in you know, all sorts of environments. So. so I'm super curious, how have you tried to incorporate the core competencies in the classroom? Because if I'm honest, I find it really challenging to do when there's, you know, 
all, all of these other things to teach. Sometimes, if I'm honest, it's easy to just forget about them. And I certainly don't want to do that. But what are some ways that you found um, that have been successful for you to, to incorporate them? Um, I think there's kind of two-pronged approach that, that's worked for me so far. Okay. Um, the first one being uh, developing a common language around the core competencies. Yeah. I think that kids need kind of that core competency literacy. Um, they need to have words to describe what they're developing, what they're experiencing, what they're reflecting on. Mm. And I think, you know, if we can help co-develop that language within our classrooms, then kids feel more empowered um, to use that language because it comes from them. Um, and that's what the core competencies are, really. It's, it's about developing ourselves and it's self-assessed rather than teacher-assessed. So giving them that um, kind of autonomy and that sense of agency to help develop that language in the classroom. So I think that's the first part. Um, and then I think the second part is um, starting slow as an educator. I found that in the beginning, it was most helpful for me to just um, focus on a couple. Mm-hmm. So find, you know, one or two I statements that I was just going to um, really mindfully hone in on and notice and name and nurture during the day. So, you know, while someone is talking to someone else, I would say, oh, I noticed you're sharing your ideas and, and building on the ideas of others. That's that's really cool. Did you know that that's a form of communication? Mm. Oh, cool. Can you think of another time you did that? So yeah. really just in an informal way, um, trying to make the kiddos aware of it as it's happening in the daily life, but also um, to make myself mindful of when I'm already actually engaging those core competencies in the classroom. So for me, that was really helpful because instead of thinking of it as one more thing I need to do, it was um, just something that I needed to notice in the work that we were already doing. Mm -hmm. And that made it feel a lot less ominous and and a lot less (laughs) like it was another thing I was being asked to do. Yeah, I, um, I was listening to a talk earlier today by this awesome guy named Joshua Medcalf. And um, in the talk, he uh, he works with a lot of like sports teams and coaches. And uh, he said that he was working with this team and the, the coach was really frustrated with his players um, because they didn't have their shirts tucked in. And this coach was saying, like, oh, my goodness, like, I can't believe they don't have their shirts tucked in. And, you know, I, I want to make them run lines so that they'll learn to keep their um, their shirts tucked in. But. Josh, you've told me that, you know, making people run lines isn't the best way to <laughs> to get a message home. So what should I do? And um, Josh just kind of looked around and he noticed that every coach had his shirt untucked. And yes. um, he just su- suggested, how about you start with you? And uh, if you want your your players to tuck their shirt in then you should probably, you know, start with yourself. And I guess it just kind of makes me think of the the core competencies too. Like if we want our students to be developing these skills, hopefully we can be showing them how we are trying to grow in these ways too. Oh, absolutely. I think that that vulnerability to admit that even as professionals, as adults, that we still have room to grow, it makes it a lot less scary for kids to, you know, being asked to reflect on things, um, that we're good at is easy being 
asked to reflect on things that are not going so well for us. You know, there's there's an inherent vulnerability in that. And I think when we model that and we lead by example to show that this is not only um, normal, but appreciated and celebrated, I think kids follow our lead. And I think starting with us is always a great starting point. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, I'm super curious, is this something that you try to do at home um, with your own children? And, and if so, how do you you try to, to do that? Um, I think, well, I think I'm pretty transparent with my kids. You know, I, I model a lot of self-talk. Yeah. So when I'm in those moments of frustration, I might say something like, you know, I'm feeling really frustrated now. I, I can't find the words that I need mm. to communicate this in a kind way. I'm, you know, I'm being mindful that right now I'm not able to be social. So I'm going to walk away and I'm going to come back when I'm feeling more calm or something like that, you know, just trying to model that language with them. And um, I think sometimes I probably explicitly um, actually use like the core competency language. And then usually my kids will say, um, don't teach or talk me, mom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I I think that's there. But I think, um, you know, that's. For me, I think that's part of developing a relationship is 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 being vulnerable and um, sharing that inner monologue so that people realize that we're all having that inner monologue. Um, and when we hear it out loud, it becomes easier for us to embrace it and to share it also. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kelsey, I, um, I'm just wondering if you could share with, with our audience what the three main core competencies are, like kind of the the three main big ones? Absolutely. Um, The three big ones are communication, thinking, um, which is broken down into critical thinking and um, creative thinking and reflective thinking. Uh, And then the third one is personal and social awareness and responsibility. Um, And within that comes positive personal and cultural identity also. So basically, communication, thinking, um, and being socially aware and personally aware. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I know that you've kind of talked already about self-assessment. And um, in class, we've talked about how sometimes the self-reflection um, already within schools in British Columbia, it's kind of getting old. And just wondering how you do self-reflection in a way that's really meaningful to your students and, and helpful. Um, yeah, I think this is, is something that is definitely happening. And I think we're all, um, in such a well-intentioned way, we're wanting to support the kids in engaging in this, um, self-reflection and self-assessment. And I think what's happening is we're, um, getting reflection fatigue. Um, we're being asked to reflect and reflect and reflect. And, and so we, um, we find ourselves saying what we think people want to hear rather than um, sharing an authentic experience. So I think having choice is a really huge part of making that um, self-assessment meaningful to kids. They need to be able to choose when and how they reflect um, and share that reflection. They need to have choice about um, how they actually communicate that. So encouraging them to reflect um, and not always requiring them to share that reflection. Mm. And when they do share, um, you know, it could be written. That's Mm. one way of doing it. But there's something very permanent about writing. And a lot of kids will feel um, 
apprehensive about putting something in writing and then having it being final or, or being able to be um, pulled apart or judged. Right. So giving them chances to uh, share that reflection through pictures or through um, poetry or just even a video diary. I think that's been the most effective way that um, I inadvertently engaged that reflective process um, is that I had a camera out for another project and the kids started to go into our, um, in quotes, our confessional space, our little um, candid cave. And um, they started recording these pretty profound reflections without me even knowing they were there. Hmm. Um, And I think that ability to kind of have stream of consciousness sharing where it doesn't have to be polished or perfect or fit into a particular framework, um, like a sentence turner for writing, uh, gave them the chance to really just go with that thinking process and gave me a much better idea of kind of the journey of the reflection and, and how that process works for them. So, yeah, I think choice um, about when and where and choice about how they share that reflection is going to kind of yield the the best success for everybody. Yeah, I think I'm slowly starting to realize that, you know, as an educator, providing choice always seems to be a a good way to go about things. And um, also, just maybe being relaxed with a timeline. And like you said, um, how how things are done. Um, It, yeah, it just seems really clear that um, students find a lot more freedom in that and i think like you said um they're able to maybe be a little bit more vulnerable and authentic when they do share as a result Absolutely. i think so and i think even unpacking the word reflection you know what other words that mean the same what are synonyms for reflection or when do you find yourself reflecting um when we talk about that, even kids realize how often they actually do it. So we kind of demystify that formal process. Um, and then they feel like it's not this, you know, very formal, judgmental um, kind of piece of learning, that it's something that they're actually doing all the time in their brain anyways. Um, and then giving them that autonomy about how and when they share it is excellent. So, Kelsey, it, the great thing about the core competencies is that, you know, the responsibility for teaching these to children doesn't fall squarely on the teacher's shoulders. So I'm just wondering, like, how can parents get involved with the core competencies? And um, for, for parents who aren't teachers and who may not be familiar with this language, like, what are some ways that they can uh, help their, their children with communication and thinking and personal and social skills? Um, I would say probably the easiest way to kind of get started on that is to either um, reach out to their child's teacher um, and just get a little bit more information about how the teachers are using the language in class. So they might be able to offer a starting point in that, you know, we've really been focusing on communication. Here's some of the things we've done around that. So parents aren't having to reinvent the wheel. They're just building on that existing knowledge in a different context. So rather than it being that language at school, it's that language at school and at home. And I think um, that's a great starting place. If parents are truly curious, there is a whole subset 
section on the uh, Ministry of Education's website just about the core competencies. Um, and it is written in ministerial language. It's quite dense, um, but it also offers a little bit of extra information if you're looking to know more about kind of how it came to be and what the intention behind it is. Yeah. I think that also helps um, guide that process of, of engaging it at home and, and learning more about it. Um, so it becomes less about doing it right or wrong and, and understanding that intention behind it, mm -hmm. um, which is often easier to translate into different contexts. Yeah. And I think the wonderful thing, like you've already mentioned with the core competencies is um, parents and teachers all, are already doing so much of these wonderful things. And I think the core competencies just give um, maybe some language or it, it can just help um, adults be intentional with, with their teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, I think so often we have such high expectations for ourselves, especially as parents and educators, you know, we're, we're part of these formative years for kids. And mm -hmm. I think um, if we give ourselves a little bit of time and grace and patience um, and, and just notice how things are unfolding in our context and, and, and noticing the things that we're already doing, you know, even if it's something as simple as, hey, let's read our bedtime story. Did you know that reading is a form of communication? Mm. Or, you know, when we sit at the table, we chew with our mouth closed. That's a form of social responsibility because no one wants to see our chewed up food. You know, just just those really simple things. You know, we're already probably engaging in our kids and learning manners. Yeah. Um, I know lots of families have story time. You know, even, hey, let's go watch our favorite TV show together. Um, while I watch TV, I often think about how I connect to the people on the TV. And that's, you know, uh, that uh, social emotional awareness as well, that, that personal awareness. So finding it within our own context um, can just be a really easy entry point for everybody, teachers, parents, and students alike. Yeah, that's awesome. So you just gave some really great examples of how parents can make use of the core competencies at home. And I guess I'm just kind of wondering, at, you know, this is a pretty challenging time uh, in our world right now where our students are at home and just wondering, like, for, for any teachers or parents out there who want to make use of the core competencies um, during maybe a pretty scary time for some children, any suggestions for where they could maybe start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have the websites off the top of my head, but if parents Google core competency books... Um, that would be kind of a suggestion for me where to start. I know lots of school districts have created incredibly comprehensive book lists yeah. um, that have storybooks for kids. So especially our younger learners, but also sometimes I think we discredit our teenage learners that somehow we've decided they don't like to read storybooks, but they do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, story is a really powerful medium. So if parents... Um, are looking at those story lists, they're going to probably find lots of books that they already have at home mm -hmm. or books that are um, available online, especially right now. So many um, publishers and authors are making their books available to people because libraries are closed. Mm -hmm. um, and there's often um, in those lists kind of explicit connections. So this story is about sharing and sharing is 
social responsibility. Um, so it gives parents, you know, a story that's going to engage their kids. It'll give them kind of the thing that they can notice and name in their own houses. Um, and also a chance for them to, you know, talk through about how that story connects to the life that we're living right now, which is kind of um, a little bit of a wild adventure. Yes. Um, you know, and even within that for parents that are feeling that academic pressure of right now, you know, you're engaging in that conversation, speaking, listening, you're engaging with text, which is all of the language arts. So, you know, you're actually checking a whole bunch of uh, academic kind of curricular boxes as well while you guide them through this exploration of the core competencies with you. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of bang for your buck. Totally. <laughs> that's, uh, that's such a good point with the storybooks. And I would just say that... Um, even adults or people who are a hundred years old, I think we all enjoy a good children's picture book. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's so many layers to it too. Even if you read the story multiple times, read it the first time and have them just imagine the story, Mm. right? That, that visualization, um, and then share about, you know, what did the, what did the, tiger look like in your imagination oh mine looked different right so there's so many conversation starters there as well and I think you know we we definitely grow older but I don't know that we have to grow up necessarily and I think yeah in, it keeping in mind that even adults really love reading stories and being a part of that fantasy sometimes is, is a great reminder yeah yeah I agree so Kelsey I think one of the last things I would love to ask you about is um just if you have a favorite quote of the moment or or a quote that's been meaningful to you throughout your life um do you know i i have two favorite quotes um one is an old favorite and one is a new favorite and i think i'll probably um take you proverbially hostage and share both of them with you Sounds great. <laughs> um so the first one is by isaac newton and it is if I have seen further than others, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Hmm. And um, that's a quote that's always resonated with me because I feel like um, so often we we give this isolated praise to one person or one organization. And I think, you know, we need to be mindful that there are so many um, people and places and things that have come before us and, and who we are and what we're capable of um, is not being built from scratch, that we are standing on the shoulders of, of giants who have done amazing things and have given us such opportunity. So I'm always grateful for um, all of my mentors, um, for my uh, heritage and my history, mm-hmm. um, and for being part of a community. So that's that's one that um, really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. And my uh, recent favorite it's come about in the last um, couple months and it's by Robin Wall Kimmerer who is the author of Braiding Sweetgrass yeah. among other books and the quote is that all gifts are multiplied in relationship mm-hmm. and I think that's something that is um, it's essential in my life that idea of relationship and connection and I think the more I connect with people, the more their gifts are multiplied, the more my gifts are multiplied, and that collective gift of us being together is multiplied as well. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm, I'm going to write those down as, as soon as we finish here. Um, <laughs> but Kelsey, yeah, before we uh, end the conversation, I just wanted to take um, a couple moments and just say 
thank you for being who you are. And um, our cohort at SFU has learned so much, and I know we will continue to learn so much from you. And we greatly appreciate your humility and vulnerability um, over the last few months. Um, you have such strength and uh, such joy too. And just really grateful that you're a part of our group and, and community. Oh, well, thank you. The feeling is very mutual. I, uh, I love being part of that community and mm -hmm. uh, I learn so much every time we come to class. And I think we're such a wonderfully diverse group of people as well that, you know, all of our gifts are, are multiplied through this relationship that we have now. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, of course. And um, I just, just to jump off that, I think um, it is so wonderful that our group is so diverse um, and that we don't all think the same so that we can, can challenge each other maybe and, and learn from one another and uh, definitely grow as a result. Absolutely. There's always room for growth. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So any um, last thoughts before before I let you go? Ooh, any last thoughts? Um, completely unrelated to this, but my, my parting thought will be, you know, I've just been walking along the river in the forest while we've been chatting. Yeah. So my parting thought will be to go outside if you're listening um, and just enjoy a little bit of vitamin D, a little bit of sunshine and a little bit of nature if you're lucky enough to be close to some. A big thank you to Kelsey for being on the podcast today. I can say that I certainly learned a lot from you, and I trust that your words will greatly assist others who are also interested in this topic. Although the core competencies seem like a complex topic, we owe it to our children to learn about these skills and discover how we can teach them effectively. This will certainly take time and commitment, but I promise you that it will be worth the effort. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Kelsey and the wonderful work that she does, please visit kelseykeller.com. I'll make sure to include a link in the podcast notes for your convenience. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for listening, and stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we look at helping children thrive in our world.